Hey, it's Espo back to tell you about our friends at DraftKings, and basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at $1 million. That's right, $1 million in total prizes. Claim your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when you use the code TBPN during sign-up. That's code TBPN. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see your team stack up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist mean so much more when you're playing DraftKings Daily Fantasy. It is unbelievable how much more you enjoy a random Kings Clippers game on a Wednesday evening or a Nets Knicks matchup, whatever you're watching. I mean, it could be even worse. It could be like the magic and somebody like the magic and rockets. It makes it more fun to play with DraftKings daily fantasy sports and their fantasy lineup for basketball. So download the DraftKings app now and use the code TBPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. The code TBPN and get you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Tonight's matchup on the solar panel, Espo versus the Solar Fox versus Carmel Thunder. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the solar panel. Whether you're listening to us on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever. I mean, if you're listening to us on a transistor radio, if you can figure out how to do that, we appreciate you, the flaming ballers, more than you know. I'm your host, Greg Esposito, ahoy hoy, and joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the silver fox, Dave King. Dave, how are you? Pretty good. How are you guys doing this morning? I like to drag that out when we have a guest so it embarrasses you. And then the, <laughs> we've got the Carmel Thunder from down under. It's Saul Bookman. Saul. I'm doing much better than you are, apparently, because I don't forget to hit the record button when we do these podcasts. <laughs> when we do midweeks and we have a guest and you force me to be the producer, I forget things sometimes. So it does feel like we've done this before. And joining us, a very special guest, former NBA coach, video guy, and one of the best follows on Twitter. If you love watching NBA video breakdowns, he is Steve Jones Jr. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, thanks for having me on. But I like that the energy stayed the same for my intro, so I feel good about it. <laughs> well, I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you. I'm really excited. In your, in your podcast, yeah. man, the, the Dunker Spot, that is must listen. You're only, what is it, 20 episodes in now. I've already listened to your two-hour episode from this week alone, and uh, it's got a lot of great nuggets in it. You guys got to listen. It's the Dunker Spot. That was a great podcast. I'm impressed because Dave doesn't even listen to us, and we do like 55 <laughs> no. minutes yeah, a week. For real. When we're yeah. talking to him, he ignores us. Yeah. He, has, uh, he definitely selectively inputs whatever he thinks. That's it. 
<laughs> Steve, you, you'll, you'll see here in the next 25 minutes, all of a sudden, Dave will be like, oh, then I got thought, and you just start talking. <laughs> hey, hey, leave Dave alone, all right, I love, Dave? I love Dave, I love Dave. Let me bury myself. You don't have to do it <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. So, Steve, we talked about this in uh, the Phantom intro that we did that nobody will hear, but Saul and I, on the last episode, were talking about how we felt uh, the Sun should look at going away from Devin Booker in the clutch and going to CP3. Obviously, we saw a little of that in the Knicks game, but what are your thoughts on the Suns trying a little less ISO to Devin Booker and a little bit more CP3 in the final minutes? I, I like it right now with what Chris Paul brings right now. I think when you have that kind of player who can score, manipulate defenses, make the right play, put the ball in his hand and see what happens. Uh, and the beauty of what Phoenix has right now is you have the mix. You don't have to necessarily choose one or the other. You can blend them in together. You can have Chris Paul be a threat, and if he has it going, you know what he does. You saw it against the Knicks. Uh, but you also have, if the defense is figured out, if they're switching, you have Devin Booker you can rely on and lean on. So I would say probably emphasize CP3 a little bit, but you still have Devin Booker. You're in a good place if you can have the discussion of, who gets the ball in the fourth between those two. It's not a bad place to be in. Yeah, absolutely. On the on Monday's game against the, the Suns versus the Knicks, and the Knicks were on a nine-game winning streak coming in, and it looked like the Knicks were going to roll right over the Phoenix Suns uh, at the end of the Suns' road trip and the Knicks being at home and, and totally focused. Uh, they were up big in the first half. Then uh, the second half, it did the Suns, and, and both teams just kept grinding and grinding, and finally – in the last minute, Chris Paul made three jumpers uh, that just all of us were just like, wow, he did all he made all three of those when he needed to make them. Uh, uh, Steve, you you commented uh, you were you're doing a Twitter thread on, on the game and you commented that the, uh, the Knicks should have been worried as soon as Chris Paul started taking those jumpers earlier on in the game. Yes. So for me, with Chris Paul, you can tell what gear he's in where he's trying to go with it, how bad he wants it. Not just he always wants to win, but is he going to take the game? You know, if you go back to when they played Utah, a man showed up in a whole pink outfit, and in the first quarter took about four or five shots. That let me know what time it is. Because generally <laughs> in the first three quarters over his career, that's that's kind of data collection mode. Hey, I'm going to see what you're doing. I'm going to get guys going. We're going to see what's happening. Fourth quarter, I'm coming with the, the pick and roll pull up. But if he's starting to take those shots, the step backs – the ISOs in the first half, he takes a pull-up three, two minutes in the second half, that should let you know, oh, he wants to win this one. He's going to find a way to take it. So to me, knowing how it ended, that was like, oh, I totally understand how Chris Paul went on that run because he was telling you, I'm going to do this. Y'all just got to be ready. And, yeah. and that's what he does. It, it's it's tough. When, when he gets into that mode in the fourth quarter, it's really hard to defend. I had I had nightmares about it when I worked in Memphis. He's with the Clippers because that's that that was the game. He's got this uh, he's got this unique uh, thing about him. You know, obviously as an older point guard, he kind of goes through the game, kind of analyzes like you said. But there's a little special bounce to his game when he's starting to feel like, okay, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna do something special right now, or I'm gonna take this game over. Uh, I thought you I think we saw it against the Knicks when he uh, did a nice little crossover kind of fade away on the baseline. That was just, just really nasty. Uh, and once I saw that, I was like, Oh 
Chris is feeling pretty good today. You know what I mean? And so uh, I totally agree with you. When you watch this Suns team outside of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, what do you think is the biggest piece that they're going to need to develop before they get to the playoffs? Well, that's a very good question because I think they've got it going. That that second unit probably should be, if you don't watch the Suns, a question mark. But they've been solid all year. And matter of fact, against this Knicks team, they actually managed to keep them around, hang them in the game, and, and it was solid. So that second unit, that fight they have, the lineup versatility they have, they have a lot of the pieces that will help them come playoff time. It's more so just continuing to get the reps to be able to hit the next level, I would say. You know, this was a, a good road trip as far as being able to test their ceiling. Yeah, I felt like this road trip was – it almost felt like it was a market correction, right? The Suns have been riding pretty pretty high, hadn't lost back-to-back games since January, and then uh, they lose two in a row, and you think, okay, maybe they're coming back down to earth a little bit. But then you you look at it, and they're actually – you know, better off in the standings than where they were. They're right there with, with the jazz. Now they've got a game uh, separating them and the Clippers as they go into facing both of those teams later this week, where do you sit as somebody obviously national, a little bit removed from the team? Do you feel that, that they are a legit one or two seed in the West, or do you feel like they'll come back down to earth in these final few weeks a little bit? I don't think they'll come back down to earth. It's more, will they be challenged in a way they haven't been before? So I think what they've done is solid. I think they've proven they deserve to be where they are. But can they handle when teams throw something at them that can score on them, that can defend them? And can they handle those tests? You know, what what do you do when teams switch against Chris Paul in the fourth quarter? What do you do when maybe your second unit doesn't have that strong offensive or defensive performance and you don't get those four or five quality minutes? What do you do if someone throws a game plan at Devin Booker or someone attacks DeAndre Ayton on the other end? Those are the questions I'm more looking to see get answered as they play these quality teams, but they've passed the test so far. So I wouldn't say this is a fluky run just because they're – you know, they execute in the half court. They'll grind you out. They'll get after you defensively, which I think is super underrated with what Phoenix does. But everything they've done is something that I could see working in the playoffs, which is the biggest reason why I probably buy into what Phoenix has done so far. So you've got uh, out west, you've got a lot of obviously a lot of really good teams. You've got Jazz, Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets. Nuggets have lost Jamal Murray, but they've won almost every game since he went down. Lakers, you you have to assume LeBron and Anthony Davis will be back will be back healthy by playoff time. Where do you think the Suns, in assuming health, uh, as much health as there can be, because Denver, Denver, you can uh, Jamal's out, um, but as much health as you can see and get. Where do you see the Suns ranking in the West as far as their likelihood to uh, get through to the finals? Well, it's going to just depend on their playoff path. Now, the interesting part is whether they're one or two, they're going to have to deal with someone from the play-in. And we'll see how that will turn out to be because right now it's a mix of Dame, John Morant, Steph Curry, or Greg Popovich, which doesn't seem ideal. (laughs) But I would say – I would not be surprised if the Suns make a run to the conference finals just because of what they've done versatility-wise. Now, the interesting part will be, can they deal with whoever the three-seed is? Looks like it'll probably be the Clippers. But they're going to have to face an L.A. team on the way there, which is kind of going to make it tough. 
You made this push mm-hmm. to number two, and at some point you got to feel deal with one of them. I like their chances against the Clippers more than the Lakers, uh, just because I think they have the size and length to potentially at least compete and bother Kawhi and Paul George and uh, score on the other end. With the Lakers, I don't know if they have an answer for Anthony Davis, which has he's been the style bender for the Lakers, and you have to deal with LeBron as well. So I think that gets a little tricky. But I think if Phoenix can get the right matchup in the first round, they face the Clippers in the second round, they can make it to the conference finals. You just terrified everybody in Phoenix by reminding them that Greg Popovich could be the uh, the reward for such <laughs> oh, a great God. season in the first round. <laughs> Yeah. Which which one of those four poisons do you want to deal with? One of them is <laughs> going to come off a win. So I mean, who, who do you want? Do you want Dame? Do you want Ja? Do you want Steph Curry? Oh man, I'll, I'll take Dame and Ja. I will. I'm sorry. I just over, think they match over up pop. I, I, over Pop and over Steph. Like I would. <laughs> I just, I just because I just feel like they match up better with the the Trailblazers overall, and I think that you know that they, they'll be confident going into that series. Uh, and I'm not afraid of Ja. Ja hasn't been in the playoffs either, so I don't care. <laughs> are, are we are we sure we can't expand that play in to get the Kings in there? I'll take, I'll take a matchup against the Kings. <laughs> nah, nobody. This is one of these four teams. <laughs> You're gonna gonna have to actually play a good team. Dang it! All right, over seven games. Well, yeah, I know. Pops what happens in the playoffs? We haven't been there in so long in Phoenix. We forget this, you this, actually have to take this week. This week actually is, I think, the most important week because if they can take care of business against the Jazz and the Clippers, I think they'll solidify that one or two position. If they don't, and the Clippers somehow over over uh, take over them, um, I just see this scenario: if LeBron doesn't come back soon, that the Mavs might be able to slide up into that that next spot, and the Lakers drop down. Then you're looking at playing the Lakers in the first round, and that would be a nightmare scenario for for Phoenix. Oh wow, it's seven or eight. I don't know if the Lakers dropped to no, seven or eight. No, the oh, Lakers the, the Lakers are at five right now. They would drop to six. The Suns would be at three. That's a first round matchup gotcha. right there. Got gotcha. you. Oh, the three, the three six matchup. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and if things don't go well in that series because LeBron comes back and they, you know, do Laker things, this season will be a disaster because nobody will be satisfied with the first round exit to the Lakers. (laughs) I don't care who it is. Steve Jones, let me ask you: uh, If the Suns do that, if that actually happens, and the Suns play the Lakers in the first round, they go down in six, seven games, five, even if it's five games, is that a failure? Of the Chris Paul regime? It's not the result you wanted, but I would not say it's a failure because you pushed into a, a depth of the Western Conference that you may may not have thought you could have gotten to. So in that sense, you won. You, you got up there, you hit off, you got your team better, Devin Booker got the experience. That's a win. But as far as capitalizing on the window that he creates, probably don't feel good about that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what about, you, hey, that what was you, about as solemn as you could possibly say. Yeah. I know, right? Dang. <laughs> hey, look, it doesn't help Suns fans psyche either because we we already uh, have issues when it comes to the Lakers being the big brother and uh and Phoenix being the little brother. So that would not be uh that would not be ideal. We'll say it say it that way. And you could tell Saul's got uh got plenty of wounds from uh multiple playoff years uh, <laughs> there with with the Lakers. Uh, Steve, I want to get your thoughts on uh on DeAndre Eaton. Uh, obviously a, a here in Phoenix a bit of a polarizing figure uh sim- simply because 
of who was taken number one uh, or was taken after him when he was taken number one. But as what's your assessment in his game, the evolution of it, and where he is going into the playoffs? He's taking the right steps. I mean, it's going to be tough for him to be appreciated because of the players that went after him, but he's taking the right steps. I, I've liked a lot, a lot of what he's done. You know, I always go back to some of the performances he's had where he's really stepped up defensively and executed what Phoenix has needed, but it's going to be a work in progress. And he's going to be at, he's being asked to do a lot more than he probably would have had Chris Paul not arrived, which is good for his development, but also puts him on a timetable that isn't necessarily natural. Um, this is a this is a young kid who's trying, but it doesn't always translate. You know, I go back to the Brooklyn game. Early in that game, Kyrie Irving comes off pick and roll, takes two easy pull-ups like it's nothing. And DeAndre Ayton's stuck back in the paint watching. Yeah. But after that, he starts to get up to the level. He starts to be more active and things shift. So it's more just the awareness piece coming, but that usually comes with years. So I've I've liked what he's shown defensively. Uh, I like that he can be an anchor. The consistency isn't there. The awareness isn't all the way there. What can you expect from a big in year number two? Um, Offensively, I think he's continuing to find the right spots, pick and roll. He's been doing well with the switches. He can seal, but can he finish? Can you depend on that? So I've liked what DeAndre does, but that come with that pick, it probably doesn't pop off the same, especially with who was behind him. So I would I would probably preach patience. I know it's going to be tough, but he's on the right track. Uh, following up on the Aiton thing, you mentioned on the dunker spot this week, you you guys talked about this, you and Nikias Duncan talked about this a little bit, that you were worried with all the switching that teams are starting to do and putting the big on Paul and the little guy rolling with Aiton um, and then Ants on a hill down there in the paint uh, trying to stop him from getting the ball down there. You were worried about how effective he would end up being in that kind of scheme. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, it's it's less can he score. I think he could. But is it something that the defense is going to be afraid of? You know, if I have to pick my poison and I get a chance to alter Chris Paul's rhythm, take away his normal reads and take away some of the kickouts, the pull-ups, all of that, and just say, hey, you're either going to score ISO or you're going to throw it to DeAndre Ayton. I'm going to live with DeAndre posting up right now. Um, so that was mainly my concern. I think he can make defenses pay, but he's not quite at the level where I'm afraid to do it because of what he can do. So that's probably the toughest part. But So here's my question then. With that being said, how come teams double team him as much as they do? Because he's tall. I mean, teams teams are still doubling Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> no, I mean, and I, I I love Demarcus Cousins, but it's just a natural instinct for some reason. Yeah. If there's a big on a small, let's go double. You know, you've seen it with Blake Griffin, Demarcus Cousins, who probably are different opinions about, but they just go double just because oh he's in trouble. Yeah, so it's a natural instinct that guys just can't avoid when they're out there. They're just going to do that rotation and try to and try to double in uh, when Aiton rolls. Well, yeah, see, to me, that seems like that's a big benefit because now you've got a guy open, uh, and so it's up to Aiton to find the open guy. And he's been 
he's got he's he's been adjusting trying to figure out when to just go right up and score real quick even though he's got two little guys on him or whether to pass back out to an open guy uh that's still a work in progress for him so when when you look at this roster uh obviously James Jones has made some some great acquisitions i mean Tory Craig being one of them and and you look at what he's been able to build but do you feel that that there may be one flaw here in that backup center position where you don't have anybody when Aiton comes off the floor to really step in for him? Could that be an Achilles heel going into into this playoffs? I think normally it could be because you can't replace his size and what he can do on both ends of the floor. Uh, Dario's done a good job at times. Uh, Kaminsky's been solid, but you're not getting another Aiton. What I would say the counter would be the lineup versatility allows them to, if they want to, go small, which could counter some of the issues you have with the backup five. So while they've, they've played two bigs, they've played uh, small at times, but when you have the ability to throw some of those lineups out there, that could help you out if Aiton goes to the bench. And now you've got a strength, you've got some switchability, you can keep the ball in front. So that might help them out. Uh, that seems like a shot at Frank Kaminsky. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's okay. We all take shots at Frank Kaminsky. Um, he does. Uh, Espo does have a uh, uh, land uh, called Kaminsky Cove that that he rents out for people that want to love Frank for a little while. But uh, most of us just <laughs> we live with the pot shots. It's okay. He lives with the pot shots. Um, but he's actually he's played better than we expected him to play this year, which is you know that's a positive since he was released before the season and, and he's on his you know second release and, and, and pick up. So that's good. But yeah, the Suns do have some um, some lack of depth there. I think going small is interesting. I think Monty's afraid of doing it, though. He doesn't like not having enough size out on the court. If you, uh, if you get down to a point right now and you have to make a decision on who you're going to pay more between DeAndre Aiden and Mikhail Bridges, who are you going with? Aiden. Just because Tell us of why. His, because of his potential in the ceiling. And I love Mikael Bridges and what he's done this season as far as being a glue guy. The defense has been great, making shots. But I think you would know more what he is. You know where his ceiling is going to be eventually. With Aiton, he could be something higher. So I'd probably pay Aiton and hope that works out if I would, had to choose. Would you pay both of them north of $20 million a year on an extension? I wouldn't be afraid of it with what their talent brings and the market value. So if you have to keep yeah. your guys, keep your core, I wouldn't be afraid to do it. You can always move a contract. And so. and it's not your money, right, Steve? So it makes it a little easier, right? 1,000%. Last one for me here. Uh, just just overall looking at, at where the Suns are right now, how, how confident do you think Suns fans should be as playoffs are, are rolling around here? Given your recent history, I can understand why you would not be, but you should be. You should be confident in this team, especially coming off a, an Eastern Coast, an East Coast road trip. I can't even speak. I'm so excited for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> an East Coast road trip where you were able to prove and, and showcase some of what you've done against some pretty good teams. We want to see how the rest of this week pulls out. But you put yourself at the number two spot in the West. I don't know if anyone had you there. Uh, so you've got to embrace that and kind of enjoy the season like you got nothing to lose. I understand the Chris Paul window is short or, you know, you haven't been there in a while, but 
this is a great season. And this is a team that's produced and should produce in the playoffs of what they've built. So enjoy the ride. Yeah, I think the only one who had the Suns this high up was Kendrick Perkins. And we all know how much <laughs> he's uh, a great predictor of, nope, of things. You have, to, you have to live with that. You have to pump that up. <laughs> <laughs> that is your ally in this fight. And there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know if that makes us feel better or, or worse or scared by by that it, with Kendrick Perkins as our ally. Well, he is Steve Jones Jr. You can follow him. Well, I got one more. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay. Okay. Dave, we slow the roll, Lespo. Okay. <laughs> no, slow the roll. You haven't given us our final question. Oh, okay. I got one final question. Okay. Go ahead. So, uh, Steve Jones Jr. I've been listening to all the episodes of the Dunker Spot. In one of those episodes, you guys, uh, um, Nikias asked you to rank. Um, half a dozen, probably a couple of dozen shooting guards in the NBA. And I think you had Devin Booker at the bottom of, of whatever list it was. <laughs> and that means that you hate Devin Booker. <laughs> I tried to, so stay, I I tried to, to save you, I need Steve. you to explain yourself on why you have so little. It, I think you might have even had Grayson Allen ahead of him. I'm not If it makes you feel any better, Steve, uh, Dave definitely thought that Espo and I hated Devin Booker this weekend. So <laughs> go ahead. We didn't, but yeah, go ahead. I'm leaning into it. So to give the proper context, because this is the L, I'll wear it. I'll wear the hat. I believe I was ranking Booker, Levine, and Jamal Murray. And yeah, I ranked there were, were three of them. Yep, yeah. I booked Devin Booker last on that one. I ranked him last on that one. It was more so Levine had taken a pretty big step in his playmaking, and Jamal Murray had the playoff run in his bag, so I put Booker third for that moment. <laughs> I have to eat that. Devin, the, here's the thing so with I'll Devin make, Booker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Devin Booker is great. He's a tremendous scorer. He makes the game look so easy. I don't know what I want to see from him more because the playmaking has improved, but it's not necessarily at the highest level. And maybe it's because he hasn't had the chance to have the playoff run that would probably give him the kudos, unfortunately, in this day and age where, oh, he did that there. That's important. So it's less Devin Booker and more probably trying to prop other guys up. I'll I'll eat that. But – Here's the thing. Devin Booker can score, and I don't feel like I need to tell people that. Like people, I In my head, I feel like Devin Booker should be established at a level that just goes without saying, but he probably isn't, so that's my bad. We just feel a little slighted well, here in the Valley since we haven't had playoffs in 10 years. I got, I got drugged for saying – I'm putting Jamal Murray ahead of Devin Booker too, and I did it for the exact reason you mentioned, the playoff On run. a Suns podcast though, the, dude. The playoff <laughs> At least his was yeah, independent. I don't care. I'm going to tell it like it is, and it was because of the playoffs, and I keep saying over and over again, Devin Booker hasn't been to the playoffs. I haven't seen him perform in the playoffs. I need to see that before I start ranking him ahead of other guys who have come up big in the playoffs. Yeah, well, he can three. only play. He can only play the games that have been on his schedule. Exactly. Come on, you got, I'm still you got three gonna... weeks left to say that, Saul, because that's changing <laughs> real soon here. Yep, I know. And hopefully, I change it. <laughs> hopefully, I change it. Listen to this guy, guys. Are you all right with me uh, driving? You driving got a final the, question, the car Saul? here. All right. No, we're good. We're good. He is Steve Jones Jr. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Jones Twenty. Like I said, one of the best follows on mm. NBA Twitter. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for joining us and uh, and dealing with these two knuckleheads I have to deal with every week. 
Oh, no, this is a blast. Thanks for having me on. Uh, have me back on if things change with Devin Booker in the playoffs. When just, we, just, yeah. just so I can be stubborn and reverse my L that I just took. We, <laughs> we will definitely welcome you on the program happily when, uh, when you can reverse that L. So a big thanks to Steve for joining us today on the program, guys. That was, that was a lot of fun. I, I really, cool. I uh, love it. really enjoyed that conversation. He, uh, he brings us some really good insight, especially being a video guy in the league. I mean, what, what they have to do, the amount of uh, obviously video that they have to watch, study, uh, I, I think it gives a, it gives an interesting perspective. And then obviously, as an assistant coach as well, so it, it brings it brings a unique perspective. That's a guy that watches. You know, he, he just before coming on here was doing a, a total breakdown of the Knicks Suns game uh, on Twitter, and just watching the film, his point about the little things with with Chris Paul early, I just love that kind of insight. Yeah, he's so good. I listen to that dunker spot religiously, and I'm not really, I don't have time for a ton of podcasts. I do listen to ours to make sure um, how bad I sound and, and try to try to sound better the next time. But um, <clears throat> no, I think I think he's a great follow. He, he is a little skeptical of the Suns, um, as everyone should be. There's a good reason to think the Suns are not going to make the finals because they haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years. Nobody's proven themselves. Saul, I do agree with you. I just don't want to have to on the pod. Uh, <laughs> Devin Booker <laughs> does need to prove himself in a playoffs before he can be ranked ahead of Jamal Murray, who has proven himself in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. But if That's I was picking a player today, I would take Booker anyway. That's all I got to say about well, that one. Look, Very I can good. guarantee Devin Booker will be better in this playoffs than Jamal Murray. So. Oh, in this playoffs. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's a low blow. That's, that's it's a low just blow. the truth. Uh, you know, so. Well, we can hope. Man, <laughs> how sad would it be if we're like, God, I really wish I had an injured list guy instead. <laughs> yeah, that would not be that would not be good. How scared are you guys, before we get out of here, how scared are you guys at the thought of having to face Greg Popovich in, in the first round? Not ideal, but, you know. Look, you you can just, only do so much with the talent yeah. he has. Yeah, but the the thing that worries me is he knows Monty in and out, oh, right? Yeah. He's coached him. He's had him on his staff. He's faced him. Like, like if there's a guy that's going to understand the moves that Monty's going to make, the way he's going to coach in a playoff series, it's Greg Popovich. And that's what terrifies me uh, the most out of that group he mentioned. Sure, Steph can get hot. He can carry the Warriors, but he doesn't really have – a supporting cast. Dame and the and the Blazers uh, seem off. Let's just be as of late. They just do not seem like a, a team that you're going to be overly yeah. concerned about. And then John Morant has improved it. Just just like like Devin yeah. Booker. And I I still think they're too young to to make how, a big move. How does the play in work? Do you guys know? Do you guys know yeah. how it works? Like what, what what's the so breakdown? Seven, like? uh, seven oh, versus ten, and then eight versus nine. Yes, and then uh, the winner of each face then, each other. Yeah, they yeah. The, seven and eight, like they right? even have to fight okay. for the gotcha. keep seven. Like the seven has to fight eight to keep seven, or the winner of the those games. And then the uh, 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 shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So seven plays ten. 10 eight, eight plays, plays nine, nine, and then seven plays eight to keep seven. Or whoever, gotcha. whoever, whoever wins those two. Yeah, yeah. Winner plays, plays winner. Keep, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Winner plays yeah. winner. Gotcha. Um, and you, uh, if you're seven or eight. You only have to win one game and that first round. And if you're a nine or 10, you have to win two 
to jump up to stay in for that seven eight seed play in. Yeah. It's going, to be, it's going to be interesting. It, I it, think it's wonderful. Now, if the Suns were in seventh place, I would hate it. Like like, <laughs> well, yes. the, like the Mavericks were the other day, and Luca was whining about having to, you could just lose two games and be out. Well, you know, uh-huh. That's the okay. rules. Yeah, welcome. That's the rule. Welcome. That's the Congratulations. Rule. Right. But <laughs> um, I would hate it if I was a Sun. so I'm very extremely happy. Um, Rod Argent, who writes for Brightside, he did some numbers, and I'm not, I haven't verified it yet, but... Uh, he did say that all he thinks all it takes is one more loss by the Portland Trailblazers for the Suns to be guaranteed a top six seed. So uh, that would be nice if the Suns don't end up the worst they can if they lose out, they uh, they could possibly you know finish as low as eighth. But I think all it takes is and that's if the other teams that are that low win out. Um, I think it's only one or two games now to, for the Suns to be guaranteed not to have a plan, and that is huge, absolutely huge. <laughs> That will that'll that'll feel very good. Yes, definitely to to finally realize, hey, it's uh, it's the truth. It, it's actually here. Playoffs are, are here, regardless of what happens. That that will be very nice. The one thing about the play-in that I don't think many of us have, uh, at least I hadn't until I was looking at it the other day, realized is it's going to give teams. I believe it's a four-day window to actually rest before the the real playoffs start. Right, because yeah, absolutely. I believe it's the because 16th of through the 20th of May. Exactly, you've got plenty of time to to get your get your feet set, get your rest, and all that. Absolutely. But is that good or bad for this Suns team? Because look, that they're they they are rolling. I I'm a momentum believer, right? And it, it concerns me that potentially it could kill their momentum. But on the flip side. If they if they if they have to face the Lakers or say whoever you know if they fall to three, it, yeah. I think it puts them at somewhat of of a potential disadvantage because they don't have injuries. Other teams do could give them the opportunity to get healthy. Where if you're in that one or two seed, you're resting while these teams are battling it out to figure out what their playoff seeding is. That's a distinct advantage, and and that's why. The more I think about it, originally I was like, eh, it doesn't really matter if they fall to three. But you get a distinct advantage at one or two because now you're playing somebody that that fought it out for four days where you get to kick up your feet. Yeah, we had the they, they had the play-in tournament. <clears throat> um, they had the play-in tournament this past bubble season, and, and it was really small, right? It was only eight versus nine, and the Blazers and the Grizzlies played in that. And that's that's funny because uh, the Blazers won that one, and then now all of a sudden the Blazers are losing out to the Grizzlies three out of four games. Um, has It's just been awful. Um, I think the Grizzlies are getting a little bit of payback there. But the Blazers did not have any extra momentum going into the playoffs, I guess is what I'm saying, just because they won that play in. I think that actually sapped a little bit of their magic. You know, anytime you can force another team to use up some of their magic before they have to play you is good. So if you're playing the winner of the play-in tournament, um, then that means they've already called in a couple of favors, you know, as, as far as to the basketball gods, if that's, you know, if you guys believe in the luck and all that uh, before they even get to you. So I'm, I'm good with that. And that's what makes the Clippers game later this week so important because I feel the more I think about it, one or two is where you want to be if you're the Suns because of that because of that factor and you get the rest, the other team's yeah. battling it out. It just it, it seems I, I hadn't really thought about it till I started looking at 
at, at what the schedule of things is going to be. But that that's a distinct advantage here for the Suns. Guys, I, before we get out of here, I just want to remind everybody, uh, you can use the code FLAMINGBALLERS to save 20% at Manscaped.com. Our friends over there at Manscaped uh, just providing you with the care that your boys need to just feel good day in day out many of us uh, have been working at home for a while and you know you let yourself go a little bit we'll treat yourself with a little manscaped to save 20 percent. use the code flaming ballers at manscaped.com we always gotta squeeze that in uh, there uh, as always uh, i will open up the Get prize in. closet not a not a no. euphemism uh we will open up the prize closet you could win potential sons autograph merchandise and other great things that I've had sitting around the house for, for a while. You could win that. Just send me proof of purchase. No, not that kind of proof. I want picture your receipt. You can DM it to us or email it to us. Mailbag at solarpanelpod.com. I think that's all the housekeeping. So uh, Dave Saul, any final thoughts? Nope. I thought this was a great season, a uh, great week. Uh, the last couple of games since we, um, since we recorded on Saturday, the Suns were you guys. I want to ask you guys really quick: Do you were you guys worried about the Suns after Sunday's loss to the Nets? No, no, not at all. I, I thought that that was a fun game to watch, and I think you got beat up by two tremendous superstars, two of the best scorers in NBA history, and that's just how it is, right? But um, I like the way they competed. Uh, I wish they would have played a little bit better in the fourth quarter. But, you know, when you have KD and Kyrie, sometimes you just – there's nothing you can do against those guys when they're on like that. And so I was I was confident that they were going to come back and bounce back against the Knicks. And even though the Knicks jumped out to that early lead, it felt like a lot of the Suns games where they jumped out to early leads and then, you know, came back a little bit. But, you know, the Suns are good enough to find a way at the end of most of those games, whereas the Knicks still a little bit unproven. And I think the Suns saw themselves in the Knicks to a degree and were like, yeah, we, we can take it if we just do this, this, and this. And that's exactly what they did. They executed down the stretch. And it helps when you have the point guard on your side. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't – it didn't worry me Sunday's game. It did dampen my this is a championship team kind of – kind of feel you know because you're gonna have to face two three superstars on a roster if if you're gonna make it to the finals and then then win the finals so that's the clear separator right now between between really i don't even i don't even want to put the clippers in there all the way even though they beat the suns twice the lakers and the nets have two dynamic superstars that if they're on there's nothing you're going to be able to do you just you just got to take it and that's got three if they all get healthy, and the Nets might have three, yeah. And so those those are the two teams that I'm I'm very cautious about and worried about. Um, so yeah, I would say it dampened the the hopeful the championship hope, the hopeful yeah, yeah the hopeful feel of a NBA Finals or 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 World Championship. But it's still going to be fun to watch. It's still going to be fun to get to that point if we can get to that mm-hmm. point. And you know, we'll see how the the what do you think? Yeah, how the tables. My turn. only takeaway was. If the Suns play these guys in the finals, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough series. <laughs> that was my takeaway. It didn't have any impact on my thoughts on their ability to reach that finals. But once they get there, ooh, that's yeah. going to be tough. David, at least you'll be happy if the Nets win. So I had to give you <laughs> the I know, throwback. I know. Yeah, and Steve Nash look like man. Here's the, here's the here's the equalizer. <laughs> I would be happy if Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni get a championship. Yes. Um, I would, I would be happy if both, but 
man, now that they have Blake Griffin and seeing what Blake Griffin did on Sunday, erased all that. <laughs> nice I don't want to see the Nets. I don't want to see ne- Blake Griffin win anything, especially before Chris Paul does. He is Dave King. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave King NBA. The NBA is there because, you know, Dave likes the NBA. It's that simple. <laughs> I, I'm not going to insult you. I, I insulted you enough by bringing back up the uh, the wanting the Nets to win a championship or being happy about it. So he is the Carmel Thunder from down under Saul Bookman. It's at Saul underscore Bookman. And the underscore is there because the Saul is embarrassed that the Bookman said that uh, Devin Booker isn't as good as Jamal Murray. And I'm at Espo. You can follow me there. Uh, you can follow the show at Sun Solar Panel. And until Saturday, we'll talk to you next time here on the Solar Panel. Ahoy, hoy.